Okay, I need you to say your name because it's impossible for me to pronounce it. I was trying. Benga Akinabe. Benga Akinabe. It took me forever to learn Chiwetel Ejiofor, and now he wants everybody calling him Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So call him by the name he was born with. Right. <laughs> he took all the time to learn it. Do so you have a nickname, though? No? Benga. Mm -hmm. Everybody calls you Benga. Yep. Wonderful. So um, tell me... You know, I didn't get a chance to see Independence Day. I am so sorry. No, no worries. I'm not screening it. I heard. I don't know why. Any ideas? No. How did you get involved? First of all, Bill Pullman's one of my buddies. Bill is cool. Tell him I said I had most of my scenes are with Bill. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so tell me, tell me what it was like to work with him. Bill was great. I, I mean, he's a great actor, but he's also a great guy, as you know, and, and he would tell tell us these stories, and yeah, he was just it, he he just. There were the actors in the film that just really helped, like, it be such a high level, because um, it's very easy to kind of get into this wor world of like, oh, you know, aliens. Let's like make it campy, but not with Bill. He wasn't. <laughs> there was no campy there. He like, wouldn't have it. No, no. Everything is like this. Is, the, the stakes are high, and, and like people's lives depend on this. And you need you need that type of like like those levels and that that type of quality in a film like this. So what kind of stories did he tell you? Um, we talked about you mainly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Brent and and, uh, and Jeff Jeff Goldblum. They would tell us like these. Like some really cool stories about music because like Bill's really into music. His daughter sings. When I finally I listened, so. yet yeah, when I finally listened to her to some of her music on YouTube, I it was not the voice I was expecting. I was like, oh my god, her voice is soulful, and so and his and his son had just booked this show when when we were shooting, so he was real proud real proud about that. Jack, I know the yeah. whole family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he, you know, yeah. we talk about everyday things, and so yeah, Bill was cool to work with. What, um, so when did you actually shoot this? You shot this last summer, yeah, yeah. And tell me about your role, tell me who you're playing. I and play agent, secret service agent Matthew Travis, um, like Bill's detail. It's 20 years down the road. Um, the earth has now this hybrid human alien technology, and uh, and Bill's no longer president, but uh, he's someone that the, the, the globe respects and, and honors, but he's he's troubled, he's very troubled. Um, having, have, you know, having survived this, these experiences with the the aliens, he's, he's got he's got he's got a connection to these aliens, yeah. or at least he believes he does, and so right, he dreams about them. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, you know, we we don't take him too seriously. Um, Did you study with the Secret Service at all? Did you want no, to do I, that? No, I've. It's funny. I've played a number of different um, uh, law enforcement figures. Uh, and I've studied with some of those, like you know, military and otherwise. But no, no Secret Service people. Um, what did around. you? What sort of stuff did you do when you did meet with um, law enforcement people? Training, um, protocol stuff. Like, like for instance, give me a, give me like a, a good, a good story of when you know you might have had some maybe detail with them. A lot of it was, was weapons training and and protocol because lots of times. It's about getting things right on 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 screen because oftentimes you'll see um, people do things that law enforcement would never do with a weapon or with a suspect and so on. So it's about so we walk through what happens in these scenarios in real life and then you know some sort of hybrid happy medium that that serves the narrative. Uh, and funny enough, when I was I was in uh, London shooting Twenty Four and. I'm being trained on the what you know CIA tactics by the British, um, by the British weapons guys, 
who had who had all they had you know studied and learned from like all the different you know, from uh, all the law enforcement from around the world, but we didn't have Americans there to train. That was you know the British weapons guys, and, and it's, but it's an American show. So that was very interesting. Um, you have to also make sure we had the right weapons uh, for that. What, what I learned 10 years ago when I first started acting, or how, whenever I started acting about how a police officer or an FBI agent holds a gun is different now than when, when on how they hold a gun. So I can't do what I knew then after like, you know, be you know up to date. So it's all it's all very interesting. I don't know if I've gone on a ride along. Um, but I do get stopped by police a lot. No. But but, but mainly it's mainly out of out of love because they dig the the wire, and so we'll talk about the wire and so on, or or other TV <laughs> and shows. And you're thinking they're pulling me over to give me a ticket, and no. they want my autograph. You know, that's, you know, both have happened. I have received tickets, but that and 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 I've been fortunate to not receive tickets. You know, because they had you know seen the show. Uh, and then they say autograph your ticket. <laughs> I wish. Sign right there. If they give me a ticket, then I'll for an autograph. I, I'm gonna be very disgruntled. <laughs> um, but it's been cool. It's been cool. So getting back to the weapons training, you know, this is a very heated time we're in right now with all the gun control mm. and what's happening, what happened in Orlando. Do you think about that? Does when you're when you're handling weapons and you're in a movie that has all these weapons? Absolutely. I, I'm. I, I absolutely. I, I can't not think about it, you know, especially growing up in the United States, where, where our gun culture is is very alive, very real. Um, it's it, and then the politics behind it, and the, and and people dying behind these guns, and uh, and and people who who feel very entitled to the guns. So it's it's I mean the the conversation is very very alive. So it, it it's. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. The, the force and the power behind a gun, like you—that's not something you can't undo. That, you know, it, like like that, you 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 can't take that back once. And so it's not. It's not. People say, well, if you just train everyone or you give people enough guns and train them and so on, but that's actually not how how human beings work. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of 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 like training more people or giving out more guns or en enabling people to get more guns because like, it's, 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 um, it's emotions people being human and, and the ease in which they, they, are, they are able to kill mm. so, do you, so do you give pause for the next film that you're going to do like I am not handling a gun or you have no choice sometimes well, I guess you, you, I give pause every time I, I hold a gun um, and, and I try to think and why this character needs one, mm -hmm. you know, and and if it doesn't, if the character doesn't need one, then I I try not to to use it, or at least like show it and demonstrate it or f flash it and so on. I I don't want, I don't want to do anything that's gratuitous just for the sake of like sh showing power. And honestly, real power comes in in the restraint of power. So it's it's the guy who has a gun and doesn't ever pull it that you should really be scared of, because mm. he doesn't you know, if he doesn't need need to feel he doesn't feel the need to pull that piece that you're probably in a lot of danger. <laughs> so that's that's so if I want to show power, I want to find ways to do it without the the obvious tools. Where I'm leading here is that you've written things for the New York Times. So is there you know an essay that you would like to write about in the future? I I'd love to. T I would love to write about this this for the Times. I've I've spoken about it on the Huffington Post, on, on Huff, Post Live, and it's I've done stuff for this on Vice and and Days, which is a magazine out of the UK. Like this this subject 
won't go away because we we haven't learned yet. Not enough people. I'll be completely frank. Not enough people have died. Not enough children have died behind guns. Yeah. So as far as doing, writing something for the Times, I'd be happy to. If you want to pitch it to them for me, absolutely. Do you pitch uh, to them, or I, do they it's, come it's, to you? It's been, well, it's been both. Like uh, the, I've pitched to them. Like the last thing I did was it's been a while. They came to me. That was for. The, I like to, if I can, do for different sections. So my first piece was a. Uh, in the travel section, my second piece was in the uh, science section. And, um, the last piece was in the sports section. So I, if I'd like to, I mean, my mind is is in different spaces, not just one. So I like to be able to write about different spaces. So tell me about that climbing experience that you had that you wrote about in the Times. Yes, I went trekking in the Himalayas with my agent at the time for his 60th birthday. You took your agent? No, he, he, he took me. <laughs> he, he basically did, had a decree to all Is his he clients. Here today? No, his former agent. And, uh, and he's like, I'm going out there for my birthday. Any client or friends who want to come who wants to meet me out there, I'll take care of everything once you're there. I said, all right, so I was shooting a movie with Mel Gibson at the time, and Which I couldn't uh, Edge of Darkness, mm -hmm. and I couldn't leave when he left. Um, so he left his he purposely left his cell phone in New York. He didn't want to bring it with him. So he's like, I was leaving a week after him. So he's like, the day you if you come, the day you arrive, I'll be in this small town along the trek, and I'll be there just for a few hours. So if you come, you have to meet me. And there's there's not even a there's like a little piece of dirt where airplanes land. There's no no airport, and that and the plane that comes there goes there once a week. So if you miss that day, those hours is on. Like you know, you're done. Yeah, you might as well find your way back down the oh mountains. Oh my god! And so I I I did everything I could to. I flew, took two planes to get to to the city where I, I could get that plane at least once a week. Um, and and it came a couple of days ahead so I can get there on on time and uh and I and I met up with him and then it was amazing and then I continued to, to trek with him and his sister and the porters his kids who were with him his adult children came back to the states um, they didn't continue the trek um, and we had uh, a, a, an amazing trip we walked about another 150 miles together and you wrote all about this yeah wow. Unbelievable! It was, it was dope. The Annapurna Circuit. How high up were you actually? So the the highest point we we crossed the highest. I believe the highest pass in, pass in the world at seventeen thousand feet. And you had to like have oxygen. It with was you. we it, we were just the air was real thin at that point. Yeah. We um we did, we were just below the point where we had to have oxygen. Um, it was it was man, it was cold. It was cold, but it was beautiful. And then as we started to descend, you know, you stay at tea houses and you're you're, you're walking for days, and uh, and the vegetation is changing as you're descending, and it's changing as you're ascending. At a certain point, you're above the tree line where trees just don't grow, um, and some sometimes you're standing on mountains that are on top of mountains, and you're looking down, and the clouds are below you. Wow. You know, it, it was amazing. It was wow. amazing. What's a tea house? A tea house is like it's like a it's like a place where like visitors like you know go and sleep. I mean, it's like very, very, very basic camp lodging. Like you're gonna take like me. I would take a break in the tea house and then keep going. <laughs> yeah, you would sleep there that <laughs> night. You would feed you and so on, and then you would keep going. Okay. So yeah. Well, so so you you're you're an adventurous guy. I do like doing different things. Was acting in your purview when you? No, no, not <laughs> no. at all. I fell into it um, when I was 21. Um, 
after I had worked for the federal, I, w- I was a wrestler in college and, and I wanted to continue wrestling when I graduated and, and, and hopefully get a position on one of the teams that sponsors Olympians and international wrestlers. Wow. Where'd um, you go to school? Bucknell University in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the meantime, I took a position with the federal government working there. Uh, so who needs to have training? <laughs> <laughs> you, were, <laughs> was you a, were a spy I at was, one time. Cannot tell you, cannot <laughs> confirm or deny any of those allegations, but I do know your phone number. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I learned a lot in that, in that very short time. I, I worked for the federal government because I, I was interested in maybe one day becoming president. And then seriously, yeah. Wow, because you grew up in Washington. Mm-hmm. So you well, I grew up in Maryland, but I was born in Washington. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and then uh, after you never year, know, right? I don't know. That year in Washington changed me. I was like, all right, I got these people are crazy. I'm I'm leaving. I don't, I want to be president. <laughs> these people are mad. It's nothing like they so so on TV. Nothing. <laughs> and so I um, but I did learn a lot, and I had I've always had an interest in politics, um, and. Uh, even bigger than politics, I've always had an interest in how groups of people organize themselves to live, and and and, and that's what a nation is. Um, we we there's so much that we kind of assume that are that, that is just as far as that's the formality. It's always been this way, whatever. No, these everything that we see are choices that some people, usually men, made. So they can things these things can be changed. There can be other options and so on. So when I'm realizing that, that's actually very empowering. And then to me, that's actually the power of a citizen. When you realize that you can change the 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 the, the way the world looks around you or your country looks around you. I, I don't think that's how necessarily governments want their citizens to think, unfortunately, but it, it is what a citizen can do. I don't know about you, but I'm moving if Trump gets elected. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm I going, am out of here. You know, you know where I'm going? Getting a, you're going to Nigeria. That's right. I've got my passport ready to go. <laughs> I, 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 the fact that he even got this close makes me want to leave the country. I'm insulted. I'm insulted. You know. Wow. Scary world. Right now, getting scarier. It's like well, the conversations that we're even having. Donald, imagine ten years ago when we say Donald Trump is going to be one of two people who are definitely going to be president. Not possible. Not going to run. No. One of these two people are definitely going to be president, and one of them is Donald Trump. If, if I told you that ten years ago, you'd have laughed in my face and called the police. Right, <laughs> it's like, right. you know, I said you're talking about a reality show. Exactly. Right? Donald, you mean is that exactly? Is that a new show he's pitching? And I'm like, no. This is this is real. Oh man, it's so wild. So you got um, coming up the juice, right? That's your yes. next thing we're shooting that for HBO we're shooting that now cool um, that's really dope it takes place in the 70s it's kind of a precursor to the porn industry um, it's no yeah. well, you got me <laughs> all of a sudden your ears perked up what's that now <laughs> <laughs> it's, it takes place in, in 70s New York in Hell's Kitchen um, with all the pimps and prostitutes and bar owners that, that life that culture is what when it evolved or evolved, it just eventually became the early days of porn. So, what research are you doing? Oh, a lot of porn. <laughs> doing do. a lot of porn. <laughs> you get in, you get in front of the camera. You in front, behind, whatever. Yeah, to see, casting porn. In fact, what are you doing in an hour? I mean, I, I'm like, I'm doing a lot, a lot of, a lot of research. <laughs> I'm high right now. <laughs> high. Don't worry, I got a quaalude coming to bring me. Oh back. my god. <laughs> <laughs> so just research. I'm gonna make this authentic as hell. This is in the seventies too, right? Yes. This oh, is man. in the seventies. I've got a wig, sideburns. It's but we've got a great cast, mm-hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal, James Franco. Um they both have been awesome to work with and yeah. What's your role exactly? I play Larry uh Larry Brown, uh Pimp on Forty Second Street with he's got his stable of women and 
and uh, he's from the South, and he's, he's come to New York to make it. He's going to make it anyway. You can't even do research anymore in 40 seconds. <laughs> can't find no pimps or hoes out there. <laughs> I looked all over. Can't find none. <laughs> Where did all the pimps go? You can't, you can't learn nothing. There ain't no pimps out there. <laughs> it's like Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's good to meet you, too. Thank you for making the time. Okay. Thank you. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you. 